have you ever met someone famous? Have you ever met someone famous and, and what did you do? What was your response when you saw that famous person? On Monday morning when um, Melody, my wife and I were flying back to Sydney, um, I saw Tiff Hall, the, uh, one of the trainers from The Biggest Loser, um, at, at the airport. And I kind of freaked out. I was like, oh, that, that looks like Tiff Hall. Like, she, she looks like, you know, pretty fit. You know, she's a personal trainer and all. I was too scared to do anything. Um, yeah, I also once at the airport bumped into Shane Warne. Um, I was just walking out of the toilet as he was walking in. We did that awkward, oh, you know, you go left, you go right. And then we kind of just bumped into each other. Uh, one time after paying for petrol, I turned around. And the person behind me, I, I just brushed shoulders against him. It was Anthony the Man Mundine and his bodyguard. I knew straight away who it was because um, I recognized his face. I, I quickly apologized. I didn't want any trouble. Um, but I kind of thought to myself as I walked away, if you're a world champion boxer, why do you need a bodyguard? I once served uh, coffee to Tim Costello, the former head of World Vision, when I used to work as a barista. Um, he ordered a flat white. One time after my dentist appointment, I got into the lift to go back down to the um, ground level, and in the lift was Stephen Fry. I remember walking in and they're just sort of making eye contact and they're turning around and I thought, oh, this guy looks really familiar. I just can't remember where he's from. So then I Googled him and then I realized who it was. I'm always too chicken to do anything. I'm always too nervous to say anything to these people. I usually go to my phone straight away and I message someone and goes, oh, I just bumped into this person. I just saw this person. Um, one time I messaged Melody, you know, I saw Anthony Mundine. And she replied, who's that? You know, a, a few years ago, I was at a Christian conference at ATP in Evely. Uh, John Lennox, a famous uh, Christian apologist, was there. And my friend and I really enjoyed John Lennox. Like, we, he, we just thought he was brilliantly smart. His accent was really cute. Um, so after one of the main sessions, we walked out of the big auditorium. Thousands of people there walked out of it. And my friend and I saw him go to the toilet just by the door. And my friend was dead set on going, I want to get a handshake from John Lennox. And I kind of thought, oh, come on, man. That's... It's like the worst time you can get a handshake from someone as they come out of the toilet. But get a handshake he did. Like, I'm not saying that John Lennox didn't wash his hands, but it's, it's just, it's the worst time to shake someone's hand, right? At the same conference, um, John Piper, a famous pastor from America, was also there. Uh, we wanted to get him to sign a book for us, um, but we were too cheap to buy any books. Um, and getting to sign the Bible is kind of awkward, so we never did end up talking to John Piper. But one day... As we were going back to the main session, we just saw John Piper walking in front of us, just, just like there. And I remember my friend pulled out his phone and he started recording, he goes, oh my gosh, it's John Piper, it's John Piper, look at his plaid jacket. Have you ever thought what makes famous people famous? What is it, that, what is it about them that makes them famous? What is it that makes us all excited when we see them or all nervous and weird like me? What makes it that you're so bold to shake their hand after they use the toilet? Is it what they've achieved? How many followers they have on Instagram? The movies or the songs that they're in? Maybe it's because they're just really pretty or really rich. Maybe they can kick a ball really well. Is it they're respected, they're smart, they have a high position, important job? What is it that makes someone famous? What is it that makes us go in awe and want to follow them on social media, like their posts, and tell people about them. 
They have the ability to change and shape culture. Advertisers want their endorsements. But I wonder, have you ever thought, what's so special about Jesus? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought, what's so special about Jesus? You know, I think in our world today, we have so many opinions and views on Jesus. There's lots of confusion about who he is. Most people will say he existed. Most people will say he's a good guy. But in this passage that we just had read for us, we see three things that makes Jesus special and also what that means for us. So my first point there is the glory of Jesus. Look, look with me in your Bibles at verses 2 to 4. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with them, uh, with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone could bleach them. And there appeared before Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. So six days went past. So before six days before was Peter's declaration that Jesus was the Messiah. So Peter, along with James and, the, and John, they went up this high mountain. I'm not sure why it's just them. It's just what's there. But it was probably Jesus' closest disciples. And right in front of them, Jesus is transfigured. I love this little note in verse 3 by Mark, the gospel writer, whiter than anyone could bleach it. In some other translations, this word transfigured is metamorphosized, completely changed. Jesus, an average-looking Middle Eastern man, is now shining bright. Can you, can you imagine if you were there on that mountain? Imagine you were standing next to Peter and all of a sudden Jesus, right in front of you, starts shining bright, brilliantly white, a clear, bright, beautiful light. Imagine if I just all of a sudden started shining bright. Not that there was more lights on me, but I became the light itself. That light came from me. Um, I don't know who still watches it, but I used to watch Dragon Ball Z. I used to watch every episode, wake up before school and watch it. Um, I, just, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. Like when someone, you know, glows like that, has this awe about them. Everyone's like, whoa. Jesus isn't Goku. Jesus isn't Saiyan. And Jesus doesn't power up like the characters do in Dragon Ball Z. He doesn't spend three episodes to transform. He just transforms. Jesus' transfiguration is actually the opposite of the Saiyans that we see in Dragon Ball Z. He's not going up to this level, but rather he is revealing who he truly is. His true self, that he is God in all of his glory. He's giving a glimpse of who he really is to his three disciples. And if that wasn't enough, in verse 4, we see Elijah and Moses talking to Jesus. You know, this same story is written about in two other gospel accounts, in the book of Matthew and in the book of Luke. We don't know how they knew it was Elijah and Moses. It's just recorded for us. But imagine Jesus on top of this mountain, shining bright, transfigured, and he's introducing Elijah and Moses to his disciples. Hey, Peter, James, John, come over here. Have you met, you know, meet Elijah and Moses? You know, you get that awkward pause when someone new comes to, like, when someone new comes to church. Oh, is it your first time coming to this mountain? Oh, yeah, that's nice. Oh, how long have you been coming here? Have you been to any mountains before? You know, if it's your first time at church, welcome. <laughs> we don't know how they knew it was Elijah and Moses. Maybe they were wearing name tags like us. We don't know. But to focus on these things is to miss the point. 
Now, Moses and Elijah were two very important people in the Old Testament. The Bible sort of split into two halves. The Old Testament tells us everything from God's creation to the point of Jesus, focusing on the people of Israel, and the New Testament is everything from Jesus onwards. So these two people were in the Old Testament, and both of them had significant events happen to them on a mountain. They both encountered God on a mountain in their lifetime. For Elijah, in the book of 1 Kings, in chapter 19, he was called up by God to the mountain. And as he went up there, it records for us that God passed him on the mountain, sending winds, he split the mountain, shattered rocks, there was earthquakes and fires. Elijah saw the glory of God on that mountain. Moses encountered God on Mount Sinai. Look at this verse in Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Moses encountered God on the mountain when God gave him the Ten Commandments, and his face shone because of it. Think of it like glow-in-the-dark stickers. You know when you shine a light on glow-in-the-dark stickers, they, they still stay bright a little bit after? That's what happened to Moses' face as he saw God. You know, Moses was this person who God used to free Israel from slavery in Egypt. Moses revealed who God was, what he was like to the Israelites, and how they were to live under God's rule. And Elijah was a prophet. He told people to return back to God, to trust in God once again. For Peter, James, and John, this would have been amazing, right? To see, see someone transfigured right in front of them, shining bright like Jesus was. And then for them to see Moses and Elijah, two of the great people in the Old Testament, in their minds would have sparked this thought of, hey, Moses and Elijah saw God on a mountain, and that's what we're doing now. Moses and Elijah encountered God on a mountain, and here, Peter, James, and John are encountering Jesus, the Son of God. The glory of Jesus is because He is God. That's why He's shining bright. So what's so special about Jesus? I wonder if you see Jesus how I saw him growing up in my picture, picture book Bible. He was a gentle, Caucasian-looking guy. He was always sitting on a rock. There was always some sheep and some children around him. Or is it like what our society tells us Jesus is? Is he just a, a wise person who spoke love and peace and acceptance? Or as Islam describes him, is he just a good prophet? How do you see Jesus today? How do you see Jesus? I think if we don't see Jesus rightly, then we actually have no reason to sing the songs that we sing. We have no reasons to worship Him with our lives. But it's because we see Him rightly that we sing the songs that we sing. It's because we see Him rightly that we worship God with everything that we have because of who He is. That He is worthy of all our praise and all our honour. So from seeing Jesus in his full glory, we get two responses. The first response from Peter, and then one from God. This is my second point. This is the glory of Jesus affirmed, or the affirmation of Jesus. Look with me at verses 5 to 6. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Don't we all have that one friend that's just really awkward? You know, he, he or she always has this knack for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. That's Peter. 
You know, like shaking someone's hand as they come out of the toilet. We all have that one friend, don't we? If you're sitting there and you're thinking, I, I don't have that friend, it's probably you. But picture this. Picture Peter on top of a mountaintop. He's seen Elijah, Moses, and he sees Jesus shining bright. He was speechless. That's what verse 6 says. He, he was scared. What do you do when you see something like this? What do you do when you see heroes of the Old Testament? Let's make tents for them. Let's put up shelters for each one of them. Peter's wanting to be nice. He wants to be hospitable. You guys are here. This is great. We should continue the party. Let's set up camp. But is Jesus on the same level as Elijah and Moses? Is he on the same level as him? Or is he just the next one in line? Remember, it's only Jesus that's shining bright at the moment. So let's look at verse 7. Let's look at God's response. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. You know, the cloud was a symbolic symbol in the Old Testament. You know, when Moses and the other Israelites were in the desert, God led them as he was in the cloud. It was the presence of God. The cloud represented God who was guiding them and leading them. And here God singles out Jesus. This one, this one here, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. No mention of Elijah, no mention of Moses. It's Jesus that gets the focus and the attention and the affirmation from God. So Peter's declaration six days ago is affirmed here by God. Jesus is special. He's appointed by God to be the Messiah. Jesus is God's beloved son. In the Old Testament, the idea of listen to him was used quite a bit. Israel was called to listen to Moses as their leader. And Moses, before his death, gave a sermon saying, God will give you prophets to come to you in the future, and you are to listen to them. Elijah is one of those prophets that they were to listen to. Now, prophets weren't fortune tellers, but they were to speak on God's behalf. They were to tell people, to call, calling them back to God, to worship God prophets pointed out their idolatry and the injustice that was happening in Israel. So prophets called God's people to be like God's people, to be a light to the nation, to obey his laws. So look with me at verse 8. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. No one is left. Everyone's gone but Jesus. Elijah and Moses are gone. What does this mean? What does this mean? I think, I think God is trying to show the disciples and he's also trying to show us that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament. Jesus is a fulfillment of the prophets, of Elijah and of Moses. They were great people. They were heroes of the faith, but they ultimately pointed towards Jesus. You know, Israel failed time and time again to follow God, to worship God rightly, and that's what Moses and Elijah's job was to do, to bring them back, to point them back towards God but now their roles aren't needed anymore because Jesus is here and Jesus is speaking to them. Look at this verse from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. See, Jesus is the one that speaks now. 
It's not Moses. It's not Elijah. It is Jesus. Everything now rests on Jesus, the beloved Son of God, the Messiah. And God says, listen to him. Listen to my Son. Listen to the Messiah. For Peter, James, and John, to to listen to Jesus would be to listen to what he has to say about his death, what he has to say about his resurrection, what he has to say about his life. And I was thinking about this, is, is it different for us today? Does listening to Jesus mean something different for Peter, James, and John than us today? I don't think it does. I think it's the same thing for us today. We must listen to Jesus, hear what he has to say about his death and resurrection, hear what he has to say about his life. I think what that looks like in practice is that we look to him, we trust him, and we follow him. I think when God's saying, listen to Jesus, I think he's calling us to be Christians, calling us to follow Jesus. So I wonder, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to today or this week? There's many voices in our society that fight for our attention, that fight for you to listen to them. Our bosses, our parents, our family, the expectations that they have for us, society's values of what's right and what's wrong, of what love is, a multi-million dollar advertising industry, selling us this or selling us that, promising to us that once we have this, once we buy that, or once we experience this or that, then we'll be happy, then we'll be successful, be satisfied, will be fulfilled. What are you listening to? We're bombarded by voices in our social media age. But God, right here, right now, he's saying to all of us here, listen to Jesus. Sit at his feet, follow him. That's what it means to be a Christian. Listen to Jesus. This is what Peter, James, and John need to do. And this is what we all here must do as well. But as we heard read, they don't really quite get it. They they don't get what that means. So let's look at the following verses, and this is the purpose of Jesus. Look with me at verse 9. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept, quiet, they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the teachers of the law say Elijah must come first? Peter, James, and John, they, they don't get it. They don't know what Jesus is talking about. They don't know what rising from the dead means. I don't think Jesus is talking in metaphors or he's speaking cryptically. I think he's being actually quite open and black and white. Until I rise from the dead, don't tell anyone. So then they ask, what about Elijah? You know, the hope of the Jewish people back then was that one day, which was called the day of the Lord, God would come back and restore everything. Israel would be restored. Israel's people would be restored. It will be a great nation and there will be a king over Israel. So they brought it up in verse 11. Why do the teachers of the law say Elijah must come first? 
You know, they're quoting the last book of the Old Testament and the second last verse. It says this from Malachi 4 verse 5. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. This is what they're referring to. Elijah must come first. So Jesus replies in verses 12 and 13. Let me read that for you. Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it was written about him. Elijah's already come. I don't think Jesus is referring to Elijah on the mountain with him. I think Jesus is referring to John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist at the start of the book of Mark was described as a man who dressed like Elijah, who ate the same food as Elijah, and did the same role as Elijah. He pointed people back to God. And when Jesus says he is, they have done everything they wanted to do with him, Jesus is referring to the beheading of John the Baptist, his death by Herod in Mark chapter 6. They treated John the same way, and they'll treat God's prophet the same way. The people have rejected the prophet John. John suffered and he died. And the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected. You know, Jesus here is referring to himself. He's saying, I must suffer. I must be rejected. Now, it's not the first time that Jesus has said this, but I think he's making it really clear to them. But can you imagine what it would be like for the disciples, for Peter, James, and John on that mountain at that moment? We just saw you, all lit up, shining bright. Elijah on one side, Moses on the other. How, how can you suffer, Jesus? How, how can you be rejected? How can you die and rise again? How can God, in all his glory, be subjected to those things? But Jesus is clear. For you to see me in this glory again, I must die and rise again. You know, a time will come when everyone will see the glory of Jesus. And that time is after the Son of Man has suffered, after the Son of Man has been rejected, after the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Then at that point, that disciples are allowed to speak of the glory that they saw that day. It's only after that point that they can speak. And that's why we're here today. And that's why we're here today, isn't it? Because the disciples spoke. Because those disciples on some mountain 2,000 years ago, halfway across the world, listened to Jesus. They followed Jesus. They spoke of Jesus and his glory. They spoke after he suffered, after he was rejected, after he died and rose again. They told people about this moment and we're hearing from it right now from the bible recorded for us you know the bible says that all of us have offended god we've all wronged god and ham pointed out all those things that we do wrong where we offend god and the bible calls that sin it breaks our relationship with god yeah, but god is just he needs to deal with that he can't let that go so he suffers in our place. He gets rejected so that we can be accepted. He dies and rises again 
so that we can have a restored relationship with him. And this is the story of the whole Bible. This is God trying to save us, to redeem us, to restore us to a right relationship with him. And that's the purpose of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus is to save us. That he would be the one to suffer, to be rejected, crucified and rise again, so that he would be glorified. So what's so special about Jesus? I think these verses in Mark make it crystal clear. He's more than a prophet like Elijah and Moses. Jesus is God. He's a beloved and glorious son of God. He's the one that's endured through all things for our sake. He's the one who's risen from the dead and he's the one who saves. So what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us today? I think God is calling all of us here today to listen to Jesus. Follow Jesus. See who he is as the Lord and Savior. Trust in his death and resurrection. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your salvation plan that we can see through the whole Bible. Lord, I pray that you would help us see who Jesus is rightly as your beloved son. I pray that you would help us listen to Jesus, whether it's for the first time or for the millionth time. I pray that you would help us listen to him, to trust in him and to follow him so that he may receive all the glory 